Hello, horror fans. Welcome back to Selling the Scream, a show about horror movies brought to you by one horror nerd and one horror noob. I'm Jed Donaldson, the aforementioned noob. Uh, that leaves us with our nerd. Uh, as always, it's Josh, the beast. Yoakum, how you doing, Josh? God is in his holy temple. <laughs> I, I, I'm doing well. How are, how are you? You know, I'm here. Um, you know, kind of living living large right now with uh my cincinnati Bengals going to the super bowl next week so uh yeah we got yeah. uh we got who day fever i guess here in the jungle <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's 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 awesome i know it's uh as a as a lapsed fan of you know that said you felt like you've had your heart broken by it before i'm sure it's nice to kind of yeah able to, uh, embrace that fandom a little bit <laughs> It's weird. I feel like a like a little bit of a poser since I have been like kind of off the wagon, so to speak, for the past, I don't know, five ish years. Yeah. Um, I feel like, do I deserve to be happy and celebrate this with everybody else since I I quit on them? But uh, <laughs> I, I, I have that that sentiment warring with the uh, well, I didn't like the way it made me feel when I was being a fan and constantly let down before. So I, was I being mature or was I quitting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah there's that uh i i think maybe where we're gonna bond is where, where we might in this special anniversary episode uh be talking about uh painful fandoms a little bit because i think the movie that i picked for this this episode maybe is testament to a being pained by your fandom for something <laughs> that's fair uh speaking of uh you, you yeah. mentioned that's uh anniversary this is the uh the second anniversary of this show it is. Um, we're not going to make a big, big fuss about it because, uh, frankly, we don't warrant it. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to get like the the rights for several big songs to play during it, just all fell through, and you know the the, the special guests we booked, or... <laughs> and they all did just never responded. <laughs> <laughs> we had them written down and they were ready to go, except that we you know, never actually talked to them and <laughs> got the okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, we are our, our anniversary here. I'm happy to be happy to be doing it. We um, you know, got got a little bit of, of stats. I don't think we've done like a count in a while of uh, what are what the current percentage is, the current record. Um, uh, do you do you have any any guesses percentage wise? What you think? Uh, where you think I'll you're be sitting? Interested to hear, but if. If uh, if my memory serves, it seems like it's probably lower than it was the uh, in year one. I feel like I've been a little more uh, discerning about what I distribute my my buys and not buys. Okay, to. okay. Um, I mean, it's still sitting pretty well here. I think it's a, it's a little uh, it's close-ish, but it, and it's lower, but not by a lot. We're sitting at an overall record of thirty-seven, twelve, and one. Um, which if you were counting the one at, in the total of 50 movies that we've done so far, which by the way, we've done 50 movies. That's pretty astounding to realize like we get we, a nice number be round and big. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I, I'm more than happy with uh, the amount of content we worked yeah. through. Um, either, either 74% if you're counting that, uh, that draw the beyond the wild card in there or 75.5. Um, if we're leaving that one out of the, if we're considering that, considering that one statistically null. I forgot about the beyond. <laughs> forever a blemish. Forever. Yeah. 
speaking of football, I, I, I forget what I, one of the very few football games I think I ever watched was the one where like the, the start, it was the, it was a Donovan McNabb not realizing that a football game could end in a tie. Yeah, and like, that's, that's I know it. very little about football. So like, I think I would be forgiven for not knowing that, <laughs> but I think he was like several years into his professional career. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles kind of in his prime. <laughs> <laughs> not not a thing he shouldn't know. <laughs> um, as before, we, we've we've skewed U.S. heavy. Um, I, I feel like in the first go round, there was like uh, the, the the decades that we pulled from were a little bit closer together. Uh, this this time we had a clear far and away winner with eight entries. What uh, what decade do you think we've covered the most? Uh, I would say the two thousands. Oh, wow. There was 2010. Okay. That's, there's only, uh, there's only two in that category. Oh. That's eight from the eighties. We got the, the eighties. Oh, me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've been doing a lot more current stuff, but maybe I was, uh, well, it's just our, our relevant takes on it. Um, yeah. and by relevant, I mean from, you know, 15 ish, 20 years ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a been a fun ride doing it this year. I feel like we've as much as those statistics kind of maybe seem like we're doing it like more homogenous. I feel like we've kind of gone in some pretty wildly different directions. But like you know, from from cruel jaws to to the invitation, <laughs> a, a a wide gamut of uh, of stuff in the genre. So, yeah, uh, I think I think that's fair to say. I, I feel like we definitely have. Um... I don't know. We we touched on a pretty wide swath of things in year one too. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. We we had stuff like Captain Cronus make the list, which I'm legally obligated to bring up several times a season because I still think that movie needs more love. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I would love to um, maybe go in some similar directions the next season. I, I have a few things planned, so um, yeah, looking forward to that. Did you want to? Um, I guess before we get into the meat of this one. Were there some uh, contenders? You want to save that to the end, like uh, of, of stuff that was your like favorite of what we've done so far, or just yeah, I'll I'll run that before we, get to the, before we get to the meat of this episode. Um, sure. Since you did your little bit, I'll do mine. Uh, I just wanted to run down kind of my uh, my top and bottom uh, movies that we've done so far this year. Uh, I got three that I liked a lot, uh, the best of the best so far. We'll count it down uh, at number three we had uh, train to busan which was a tremendous film from top to bottom i, I thought uh, a very a very i don't want to say innovative take on zombies but uh I, I think they did a lot of the zombie stuff you would expect to see but they just executed it so well um and the fact that it was like a kind of a foreign film is kind of like a breath of fresh air i, I really enjoyed it and, and the uh the emotional core of it, I think, was uh, pretty well realized. Um, didn't feel corny or, or forced. Definitely one of the movies we, I watched this year that uh, kind of made me tear up a little bit. Yeah, I, I also, I it's funny because I think in the, I, I wouldn't have guessed that would have made your list, but I, I remembered you liked it. But I, I, I also feel like for me too, it was one of those movies that kind of grew on me with a little bit of distance. So that's. What's okay, interesting well, to what would you think would have been that. on the besides Train of Busan? Let's 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 get through it. Let's get through okay. it, and then and then I'll I'll tell you what maybe I would have thought would be one. 
right. So uh, number two, uh, we're going to go with uh, Hereditary. Um, okay. Ari Aster's batting a thousand for me so far. Uh, we did Midsummer Year One and Hereditary Year Two, and I I think the guy's special. <laughs> the the movies he makes are um really wild <laughs> and high concept and just incredible to watch visually and performances are top notch the cinematography is great um i think i think he's really almost could be considered like a, a master of the the genre i i really think that years down the road he's going to be considered up there with the greats yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Um, I, I kind of wonder with him if he's going to be one of those directors who maybe like keeps like a toe in horror, but maybe starts to kind of do more like drama. If you, now he's kind of got the cachet to do it, do he's, his nightmare comedy that's coming out. Like, sure. I, yeah, I got. I mean, I, I could see that too, but it, it seems like he really does kind of love this stuff. I, it, it's hard yeah. for me to imagine that someone who who puts as much care and consideration into the the movies that he makes doesn't really resonate with the the subject matter yeah all right um, what's, what's uh... his his movies really like visually they're just impactful <laughs> yeah I, I find too like the the like kind of emotional core like matches it like there's 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 a lot of thought yeah into how it looks but also why it looks that way right i mean we talked in in the episode on hereditary about how um uh, tony collette was snubbed at the Oscars. Her, her performance yeah. was just one of several in that movie that were phenomenal and mm. could have and should have been recognized. Okay, I think I know your number one, but uh, let's 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 hear it. I want to see if I if it if my initial guess is correct. I, I think you probably know my number one as well. Uh, number one, the 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 best movie I saw uh, for the show this year, and, and one of the best movies I think I've ever seen is the The Shining, which uh, frankly is not. Shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's seen it. Um, I just had never seen it before. And I don't know that it would have hit me as hard if I'd seen it too, too much earlier than now. Like, uh, I don't know mm. that I would have been uh, able to appreciate it as much as I do if I'd seen it, like, when I was 18 or so. Um, yeah. The Shining is everything that everyone says it is and more. <laughs> it's, I, I can't, I don't, I don't need to say anything about it because it's been talked about ad nauseum and nothing i say can add anything to the discourse it's just well, because we we already shut the we shut the book on it <laughs> is that is that one we said we closed the book on I yeah we closed the book on that one and psycho done <laughs> <laughs> no more discussion Wrapped we up. solved it <laughs> yeah the shining's uh, great Kubrick's okay. great <laughs> um I, I so i think maybe i would have guessed that your your uh Number three would have been Poltergeist, or, or possibly Psycho, but probably Poltergeist. Both those were very good. Um, yeah. I don't know that I considered Poltergeist. I mean, I guess it is. It was the one we did in the anniversary episode last year, so yeah. Uh, I guess I, where where do you start counting? Is that the? Yeah, I I don't know. Okay. I, don't know. <laughs> I guess since I'm the one that numbers the episodes, I should know, but. Yeah. <laughs> um. um I think that, you know, I don't think I would make a change. I Those movies are great. I think the the ones I have on here are the, the way I would like them. Uh, but then, you know, you can't have the good without the bad. 
Um, and I didn't want to shit in Josh's cornflakes too much, so I only I only picked two that I thought were real stinkers. Um, okay. And you probably 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 can guess. <laughs> I, I know are. I know for sure at least one. I think I I could probably I think there's one that's gonna I'm gonna say fair enough, and one that's gonna break my heart is is my my guess in this in this category. But yeah, I know I think... one of them was the joke I played. On our fans who chose my joke, I had three real options. We had a fan poll, and they chose the joke option. What am I? I'm beholden to my to my wild cards. Um, so we yeah, did I cruel don't, jaws. I don't begrudge you the effort. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that one of them? Is that is cruel jaws behind curtain number one? Uh, cruel jaws is uh, is the one that I would put on on top of the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> number one with the bullet, and the ones that I dislike the most. Um, and that's still not to say that there wasn't stuff in there that I didn't enjoy. Like, uh, who, who can't enjoy the, uh, the shark mafia? <laughs> the, the antics of, of shrunken Hulk Hogan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, there's stuff in there, but as a movie, I think that it just, it was not, uh, wasn't what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is uh, you 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 mentioned that you think it's going to break your heart, and I th- I think I am going to break your heart here. The Friday Thirteenth Part Eight. Ah, uh, Jason. Jason takes Manhattan. Love yeah. Uh, I I I wrote it in my notes for the episode, and I I believe I I said it during the show. Uh, Jason deserves better. <laughs> I, I I still I still think that Jason is awesome, and his movies are crap. <laughs> That's kind of. Yeah. I'm I I want to be turned around on that opinion because Jason as a as a horror icon is is pretty incredible but uh thus far and I think even kind of my sell on that one is like hey look I know this isn't a good one I it's just it's just also such a fun slice of 80s cheesecake that it like it maybe gets me over that hump and then I have the all the love for the character (laughs) series kind of just to gallop me on through it so yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to relitigate it. I, I, I think <laughs> we are not here today. It's fun enough to hit that hit that mark that you're in. <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, speaking of maybe like uh, something we have to kind of relitig- relitigate a little bit with, um, and also what we chose for our anniversary last year that we're echoing again this year. We're we're doing Poltergeist too. Were you ready for the segue? Or is it is the segue okay? <laughs> that was a tremendous segue. I think I'm just gonna roll with it. <laughs> Just don't do like the inventor of the Segway and and roll off a cliff on your Segway. <laughs> All right, that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> it's been fun. Um, sorry, I just that's like I it, anytime that that thought strikes my my head, it has to be let out in the universe. We are doing Poltergeist to the other side, um, the sequel. So last year's anniversary episode, the four years later that we uh, get to reconnect with the Freeling family. Um, yeah, so um, we I think this is the now the second direct sequel. We've done the the original and the no 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 yeah, we three no we done three because we did Shining and, and Doctor Sleep. Yes, we did. Now we've done Texas Chainsaw Massacre one and two. So we're in a little little bit of a sequel kick right now. We are, yeah. Um. This was filmed just a few years later by Brian Gibson, who is a British music video director who really didn't 
stay in the genre and didn't maybe seem too interested in doing this one. Um, kind of a work for hire situation, but a bunch of sticks and foreigner videos. So, you know, that's, that's who you look for. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're trying to make follow up to a huge successful film. Yeah, yeah. You're definitely grabbing people from the music video industry. <laughs> <laughs> he's, oh, he's, he looks looks like he's worked with Sticks a lot. Foreigner. Foreigner. Okay. All now right. we're getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he went on to actually have a, a couple other pretty successful movies. He was uh, he's directed What's Love Got to Do With It? The, okay. The uh, Tina Turner uh, biopic and also did uh, The Juror the uh, with Alec Baldwin and uh, with, uh, what's her phrase, Demi Moore. <laughs> Movies I am aware of. Yeah, like they, they definitely fit that category. Um, so this was originally <laughs> scripted and shot uh, to be 131 minutes long. It was the epic follow-up that answered all the unanswerable questions from the first one, built out the universe, uh, the studio came in and uh, was like, uh, this seems like an hour and a half movie to us, so please, please make it so. <laughs> is, there a, is there a director's cut that uh, fills in those gaps? I, I think there's some stills and some production footage and stuff out there, but I don't know if they, I don't think they've put it on like a, a full length director's cut. It's more just like a couple missing scenes and like other stuff that was like maybe never actually got filmed, was just like storyboarded and like set to film. <laughs> <laughs> um i know a big thing is that a lot of um uh, zelda rubenstein's tangina stuff uh was supposed to be like she's supposed to be in way more of the movie and have a, a larger role than than she does um, yeah i will i will say that uh by the time the credits rolled on this thing uh one of my initial thoughts was Zelda Rubenstein was wasted in this movie. I, I could have used a whole lot more of her. She basically added nothing to it. Why was she even in it? I delivered a powerful performance. <laughs> uh, there may be several Zelda Rubenstein impressions going on in this in this episode. Um, it was a financial hit, and um, it is also kind of one of those movies that like the original Poltergeist, not only a lot of kids maybe saw this at too young of an age in the movie theater, but was sure. then on cable and like, because it's PG 13, they're not playing it late at night. So a whole bunch of unsuspecting six and seven year olds out there unsupervised as we were, of course. Um, yeah. I mean, I, we talked about <laughs> during the original Poltergeist uh, episode, how even though I hadn't actually seen it, like I kind of knew what the movie was um, and it, it surprised me by being, you know, it, it was what I thought it was, but there was, there was more to it than that. Right. Um, yeah. This one, I had no concept of like, I don't, I don't even remember like hearing about this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think what this one, this one does as far as like the original kind of what people hold in their heads about it is I think this movie is why people think there's Indian shit in the first one when there isn't, because there's a whole lot of Indian shit in this one. <laughs> you can say that again. There is a whole lot of Indian shit in this one. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, eighties Hollywood interpretations of 
indigenous folks so um yeah we uh sensitive we and off, nuanced as you would expect <laughs> we start off strong with semi-racist tropes and kind of <laughs> just keep right on trucking through the whole whole, whole damn runtime um yeah, yeah i you know what though i will say that i understand how kind of kind of distasteful it is but at the same time i also kind of love it <laughs> <laughs> like the idea of like the 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 native american shaman and the mysticism like i i know i like i don't <laughs> at risk of you know yeah putting myself out there you know and putting myself on blast i just that sort of thing that the whole mysticism angle it, it appeals to me like i, I think it's really cool <laughs> like it's con- communing with spirits and the you know forces of nature and all that sort of stuff um I understand why. <laughs> why well, like, um, key, but... Will Sampson, who, uh, it, other than this, was probably best known for, uh, he was in, like, Outlaw Josie Wales, but was probably best known for being chief in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Sure, yeah. Um, I guess he claimed to be, um, to be, uh, like, a shaman in, in, in various disciplines. I don't, I, I don't know what, what what he was claiming by that. That's kind of just the poll quote I found. So I don't know. I don't have enough frame of reference to say exactly what those were. He did perform an onset exorcism when they when they got spooked out about the curse again. <laughs> um, but he does a lot of the the heavy lifting in, in a part that's. Uh, I don't know what maybe got cut out of this movie too. I think there was another subplot with him where he kind of got a little bit more agency. But I think the thing that is problematic is that he kind of just seems to be this. I mean, it's not the spiritualism; it's just that he sort of exists just to help this white family and sort yeah, of. Yeah, he's um, I <laughs> really, really kind of lean into like uh, look at stuff like Bagger Vance, like the the, the magical yeah. stereotype. Um, it's it's really uh, yeah that that is probably the the biggest yikes. <laughs> And, and he doesn't have much character outside of kind of the wisdom dispensing right, magical like he, power stuff. He doesn't, he's like, he, he's a little jokey, but he's not like. No real agency, no real impact. Um, it's all words. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had sort of, I had remembered that there was this element of it and that's why people thought that that was in the first one, why they thought it was like an Indian burial ground instead of just a regular ass cemetery that was under their house, Um, which gets a little retconned here as well. (laughs) Um, Turns out there's a whole cave system underneath there. (laughs) Cave system full of cultists. Um, I guess he was originally supposed to be like a reincarnation of somebody who was tied to that cult. Right. There's, I mean, the our our big bad references as references like oh that's what he's calling himself now like they, they bring it up <laughs> yeah I, I think some of this stuff was filmed so it's like from that point of view like i do kind of i i can i can sympathize a lot with your zelda ruben scenes like oh, you cut out all my stuff because you know there's there's probably stuff that she says that doesn't make sense to her in the movie because there's no later scene that like <laughs> incorporates the thing she's talking about right or... i think like one of the biggest things was um she comes to their house and is showing, uh, I can't remember. It's God damn it. <laughs> the, the wife. I can't remember her Di- name. Diane. 
Diane. Diane. Yeah. She's showing her pictures um, and saying stuff like, uh, I don't have faith in myself anymore. Uh, and I'm like, well, like, where did this come from? <laughs> <laughs> so the, I guess one of the things that was supposed to happen with her was that she was supposed to, when she discovered this thing under their house, because we, after like just five minutes of kind of just white person writing Indian mysticism yeah. stuff, it's it's like matte paintings and chanting and breathing in smoke and like yeah, then Taylor driving to I, where it, the archaeological site I, is. Now. I think you mean to say awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, I love me a good matte painting. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, or like cartoon clouds and smoke, which we'll, we're going to get plenty of in this movie as well. We sure. Are. Um, <laughs> um, there's the, the we found the source of power under the swimming pool. So of course, we got the a lot of flashbacks here too. like, hey, remember how good Poltergeist was? <laughs> I do. <laughs> um but that there there was uh, some chamber under the pool uh and then we find out that that's you know you're talking about her coming to the mom and she's got these pictures and that's like she's finding out the backstory so yeah. like uh what's going on with 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 tangina was supposed to be that uh the doctor from the first one she was supposed to like try to pull her into some sort of psychic battle and the doctor wasn't like it's like equipped for it so Tangina had failed her and like she died and that's why she wouldn't be like in the rest of the movie that part gets cut and then you're left with I have, I have doubt my my abilities anymore yeah <laughs> it, it just uh, feels like there there could have and should have been more like the first the first poltergeist um you get a very little bit of them kind of establishing all oh, these this this family is just you know as nice and ordinary as you can could possibly want and then they're just like off to the races <laughs> like they yeah. they start going like pretty hard pretty early and this movie i mean you already know there's going to be this stuff in it but aside from like the the very beginning uh where they're showing like the the indian ritual it just it takes a long time to really get going uh, there's not a lot of excitement or really interesting things happening i, I think they're trying to do the uh like the bedroom scene that i've talked about before that i love i love so much no which... i i noticed that i caught that uh on my on my watch uh, i think that craig and uh joe beth were picking up right where they left off <laughs> yeah their their performances are fine but i think i think that scene was a lot more like economical in the first one than kind of their versions of doing it again where they're talking about like him being fine because they can go back to the hippie lifestyle now and Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you were never a hippie and <laughs> right it's, just, it's it's like they were gesturing at the first movie a little bit they even do the same bit where carol ann comes in and like you know dimples on like am i interrupting again mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah we, we we catch up with the freelings they're 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 down and out we're, we're maybe in a movie that's down and out we're maybe kind of this is a comfort we're <laughs> a little loose, a little looser. We've got some weird wax stuff up top. We're catching up with these folks. Um, I don't know how you handle the Dana situation, but I don't think this is the way either. I'll, I'll be honest. I 
until you said it, I didn't realize that she wasn't in the movie. Well, I mean, good. I mean, that's, I mean, maybe that's what, kind of what they're going for is like, maybe people just won't. Yeah. The best way to respect Dominique Dunn's memory is to maybe like not get, have a bunch of people like asking about it and talking about it. Yeah. I felt kind of weird. Like I found this the same way, like with the, um, like the last Star Wars movie after Carrie Fisher had died mm-hmm. and like after um, where her character was alive in it, but it was like just off screen or um, like the Batman's after Heath Ledger died and the Joker was very explicitly left alive. <laughs> like they just don't right. go, you don't go touch that in the trilogy. Like it's, I don't know how you do it. Like it's, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think they did as, they did as much as they could. I, I, I mean, honestly, yeah. they could have recast it, I suppose. Hmm. I, I don't know that that would have been that terrible of an idea. To, to have like a, introduce a Becky situation, uh, <laughs> a rusty situation into into it. Yeah, you're, just, um, you're doing the best you can with a terrible situation. Yeah. Um. I guess, I guess the original script was just to kind of hand wave it that she was at college and just have some line in there. But um, she arguably didn't have a lot of the other than kind of the the tagline at the top, like most of the actual action of the movie. She's kind of out of the way for anyway. So maybe that makes it a little easier than like. Yeah, I, I have a hard time. Um, I have a hard time imagining what they would have had her do here. Yeah. If she. Had. Um. Speaking of, of, you know, Poltergeist Curse, though, there is some stuff with this movie. Um, they they used real skeletons again, which I think we talked about last time. Like, <laughs> Never going to learn. <laughs> well, also, everybody does. Like, you know, oh, you did it. You did it again. Like, yes, because we're making a movie and there's there's a part with skeletons. So you use real skeletons. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> there's, just, there's just billions of skeletons <laughs> just lying around. You just got to move a little bit of dirt. Um, but uh, part of what they say of the curse is that our our bad guy in this, the beast, Julian Beck um, before this comes out, like it's in post-production he he dies of stomach cancer Uh, Will Sampson, who plays Taylor, also died like I think right after it came out I don't know if that's curse as as much as it's like you hired one guy because he looked a certain way because he had stomach cancer and was dying and uh, the other guy had like had heart surgery in the recent past that he was told was like a ticking time bomb. <laughs> I mean, you've it's already not... got that that narrative going into it, so I mean, it, it's easy to hang those things on it. Um, yeah, but that doesn't it... strike me as so uh, you know spooky as some of the other stuff. Um, it gets a little weird in three, I guess they, uh, to, to make, cause they bring the beast back. They used, um, a, a caster that they had, uh, they had cast a mask over, um, Julian Baker's or Julian Beck's face, um, and used that to create the makeup for the preacher to appear again, which mm, <laughs> I don't know. That's, that is a little squicky, but. Sure. I, I mean, <laughs> if if they have to have him in there again, I guess whatever. Yeah. Um. So you you kind of mentioned me up top. We got the the beast stuff. The 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 form of the house in this movie 
has like it's it's not just an industrial lights and magic thing. It's 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 got a human form. It has the the form of this of this preacher. Um, yeah, I kind of actually like the idea of having the um like the enemy, the nemesis, be like an actual thing that you can confront. Um, I think that's I think that's interesting, and I think they do a pretty decent job of uh, presenting him as yeah kind of a like um you just kind of feel dread <laughs> like no, in the I, think, I, think when, uh, I think it's great it's, yeah when caroline is lost and separated from her mom and brother and he's just walking down the the hallway of the mall through the other patrons directly at her singing his song yeah and trying to just get her to come with him and um yeah it's it's a, it's a really effective scene i think especially if you're um as so many folks who saw this for the first time were like maybe unsupervised nine-year-old at home. And, and there's this idea of like getting separated from your family and having this ghost man come after you. Yeah. Um, which we will uh, later on. There's also some stuff that maybe like some nine-year-olds unsupervised at home, like might not be, should be seeing. <laughs> maybe might have questions about <laughs> Yeah, um, both, I mean, the original and this one, both kind of uh, more visually intense than I would have expected. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but I, I really think that where this, where this movie maybe succeeds in a way that the first doesn't, which I don't, I don't think there's a lot of areas where I can truthfully say that, is that I, I think having a, a manifestation of that of the evil of the house that's able to interact with them mm-hmm. um, beyond just throwing stuff around or growling or whatever um, works a lot better. It's it's a uh, you have the, you have a, a a face to put to the evil. It's <laughs> right. No, he, I agree with you 100. percent And he's a real creep. Like he's uh, he's real good at it. Like yeah, I he think he's. I mean, I <laughs> I didn't know he had stomach cancer, so I feel a little bit bad saying it so now, but. Uh, he is a ghoulish looking individual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, his, his smile is just like, he, he's got the rictus grin. It's like, he yeah. looks, it looks like a, a skeleton man. Um, but I also think like, you know, for a guy who didn't really have a lot of parts that showcased him, like, I think he does pretty good in this role. He's, no, I uh, think, he's I think it's very awesome. menacing. <laughs> yeah. His uh, uh, conversation with Craig T. Nelson on the porch. Oh yeah, Vincent to let him in. That's that's pretty good. I'm smart. Yeah. <laughs> and I will give uh, Craig T. Nelson some props too here as well. I you know I might not agree with the the guy's politics, but his uh, his impersonation later on, like I, yeah, I might he channels not, him pretty well. <laughs> yeah, he does a really good job, like letting you know physically that he's possessed when he gets possessed. Um. I think there's some other fun stuff that works here. I think there's the um, the the runner joke that I do appreciate is that they don't have a TV anymore. They don't have anything in their house for the <laughs> ghost to get in. If there's one thing in this movie I can 1,000% get behind, it's not having a TV. <laughs> um, so there, there is probably an extra freeling that we need to talk about. Uh, Mama, Mama Jess. Um, Psychic Grandma. Yeah, yeah. So this is how we we introduce that the the women in the Freeling line, or I guess it wouldn't be Freeling on her side. Um, 
have have extra sensory abilities that she's she sees uh Carol Ann uh find yarn like by by color without looking um this another uh in a long line of uh golden age actresses uh coming in this is uh what's her name is uh Fitzgerald uh yeah, Gerald. uh yeah Geraldine Fitzgerald um <laughs> Gerald, like, Gerald Gerald <laughs> um she was a uh, you know rumored to be a longtime lover of Orson Welles there her our kid is maybe his um but this kind of like Hollywood royalty who is given a, a weird part here in this, <laughs> in this movie. it is a weird part <laughs> she's 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 there to set up the whole psychic thing like oh our our whole family psychics and when and I love you and then uh and then <laughs> that's basically it we're psychic yeah. and I love you and then Carol Ann goes in to check on her and like then she just dies off screen before her triumphant return at the end <laughs> I mean yeah <laughs> it's definitely positioned as such <laughs> um. I, I don't know. I, I think it, it's, it does set up the the phone stuff well enough because that's the, the initial way that the ghosts are able to get into the house and get communication and start talking to, to, to Carol Ann is through the toy phone, which is a. I, I yeah, I like the uh, the idea and like the initial, you know, introduction of the phone where she's talking to grandma after she just, yeah. you know, goes to kiss her goodnight. Or kiss her goodbye, I suppose. Um, I think they could have leaned on a little more. I, I really think they could have used more of the the phone stuff. Um, okay. Okay. I, I mean, they they used to go for, they back. I think two more times, right? They they do the. Um, I, I like the the initial setup. I think is best where it's it's the like the the drip. Yeah. After she after she she talks to grandma, and that's like the benign one, but then. And the, 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 the forces know that that phone is a way in, so the, there's a storm and the water drips onto the phone. Yeah. And then we get the call back to they're here. Um, interesting sidebar. The, on IMDb, there's apparently somebody in the in the uh, trivia section. I'm always like, I love trivia section drama. It's like my favorite, just like, or, or somebody going in like, and just let it, needing to let everybody know that actually they're here is a less famous catchphrase than they're back because their back was used in par- several parodies that came out the same year. Thank, thanks. Thanks. I am DB trivia guy. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, he, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We, we, we checked the polls and actually their, their back is more popular than they're here. That's, <laughs> um, yeah, they, but it's that it's kind of that, like you were saying, like that gesture. Toward, did, did did this one that initial setup work for you? Like they're here, like the TV shooting out and Carolyn's watching it versus this, where it's it, this kind of combines the Robbie attack. Yeah, with, I, with the Carolyn stuff. Yes, it, it it didn't hit quite as hard though. I don't think. Yeah. Um, I think the their back is not. Like the delivery of it's not as good as the they're here. <laughs> <laughs> not quite as eerie. Yeah. 
it's just the sky of their back. <laughs> um, I do want to call a little bit to the uh, the. I'd kind of brush past it a little bit, but as as uh, Joe Beth Williams Joe Beth Williams was talking to her mother as Diane, kind of describing the events of the first movie. That was a little bit of the old uh, the old Joe Beth Williams and, and, and Josh's thirst corner that <laughs> I wanted to see again. Like oh that that feeling when the when the chairs went funny. Oh yeah, I remember that. Oh. I remember that well. I remember that well, Joe Beth. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're a creep. <laughs> Harmless, harmless creep. Harmless creep. Um. So, yeah, we get we get their attack. So they, they've been attacked in their home now, and uh, Caroline had that has had the uh, encounter. I think uh, at this point we got to. I don't think we have seen the, uh, the him approach the house. We haven't had because Taylor's there at that point. Yeah, they're gonna meet. They're gonna meet Taylor. We're gonna have our stories converge. Because Taylor shows up right when everything goes down. Yep, that bring, happens. Brings a matte painting to a diner with him <laughs> to wait for the freelance outside. Yeah, I, I mean it's. I mean he had a pickup truck. I guess he could have had that back there. <laughs> Weird that nobody commented on it though. I, I mean I, I would I would like to imagine that he just like painted it wildly coyote style himself out there. <laughs> um, there's the. the 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 message from the from the mom scene in the in the in the diner does this did this work for you this uh no, these do these types do these types that they cast for... <laughs> no this di- this didn't really work for me um so do you want to talk about I feel like I talk a lot sometimes why don't you describe these these bit characters in the diner <laughs> that we're introduced to I man <laughs> I don't I don't want to. <laughs> I'm afraid to describe them. It's broad. It is a very broad, yeah, like, um, what what a wealthy movie producer would cast as like somebody in a small town who works at the Fashion Bug. Like, <laughs> it's these two women bickering and commiserating at the counter, I, like, and, and petticoats say, and hair curlers. Uh, I think Roseanne Barr from from Roseanne from the show. That's yeah. kind of the the area they're playing in. Yeah, like like less dignity, less less. Fair, yeah. But what I will call your attention to, they are billed mother and daughter. Mother, okay, I, yeah. Speaking of the billing, the only uh, the only real billing that caught my eye was vomit creature, <laughs> which I think is. Pretty rough considering they hired a Vietnam veteran who lost his arms and legs in the war, <laughs> and they built him as vomit creature. Uh, yeah, he he kind of had a career of that. That was, uh, <laughs> you know, I, again, if you, I, you make money how you can. It's '80s horror. Like they're gonna be looking for people to be like the melted body in the blob, or to be like the half. You must half salute and say, "We creature. thank you for your service, vomit creature." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the uh, also one of the women is referred to as Elspeth. That's her. That's her name. Uh, come with no, me, Elspeth. <laughs> <laughs> Stop <Yes>. lying. <laughs> no, nope. Go back and watch it again because I watched I'm... it twice to make sure. 
um yeah i don't i i don't know like if there's some sort of disconnect for who like who they were supposed to be cast as were they like, <laughs> elspeth <laughs> that's a choice <laughs> <laughs> but the the whole gag there where she's kind of the the mother is communicating again to to diane her i guess grandmother to the children um through this woman um to to warn them that they cannot run from the beast that it will it will follow them there um it's kind of the whole uh like insidious thing like years before insidious they <laughs> it's the, not the house that's haunted it's the person if you say so <laughs> <laughs> i think you're forgetting that i don't watch horror movies <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe you'd seen the marketing for that one because that was the whole that was all twist on that one. Uh, yeah, I actually do love horror marketing. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured you got a lot of it like on spoilers.com. Um, so uh, does does like the the running car joke work for you? Does Taylor is uh, telling you his car's angry at him? <laughs> I think it's a funny way for this. Indian to get a little back from the white man. After them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, th- yeah, there's a lot of bits about that. It basically just like Craig T. Nelson just not like trusting this guy that it's like, hey, I've been sent by one of your friends who helped you the last time something was happening like this to help you. And when, <laughs> right, he's like, surprisingly closed minded for someone who's being assaulted yeah. by ghosts. And then he sees the man literally do magic in front of him. <laughs> Summon butterflies. <laughs> What's your game, mister? <laughs> um, I mean, I think I think there's some meat there of the... Uh, him feel... And how, even how the, the preacher is attacking him. I think this is the that he doesn't feel like he's man enough to protect his family or something. That's kind of the conflict they're trying to play out here where like he's becoming the warrior. I sure. I mean, <laughs> it'd be cool if they showed any of that instead of just saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Having like cartoon smoke blow up his nose. <laughs> yeah. Like I never got that from anything that his written for credit were for Craig T. Nelson to do or any dialogue he had that would have, indicated that he was struggling with those sort of feelings of inadequacy. I mean, he has the skull of a warrior. That's the, uh, that's true. <laughs> I mean, he kind of, he has some stuff that, that like pokes at that, that he's like, he's kind of trying to find his courage in the drink. And that's another, like, you know, real great moment. And, uh, <laughs> in Native Americans on film of, uh, Taylor saying, I mean, telling him he doesn't drink alcohol anymore because of the bad dreams. Yeah. <laughs> oh man uh, also like a uh i think this line at least is kind of poking fun at at uh steven a little bit of that Craig nelson the uh i i i have some indian in me uh, i think my mom doesn't talk about it <laughs> I, I, thought, I, I really thought you were going to go with to kill you <laughs> <laughs> tequila to kill you I feel like somebody on IMDb trivia keeps going in to like put that he ad libbed that on set, and then like a a wiser older Craig T. Nelson, anytime it pops up, 
finds it and deletes it. Like, no, oh, no. Please don't tell anyone that. That's not true. I, I had to say it. They wrote it. I couldn't deviate from the script. <laughs> um, but this this approach of, of came to the house, to the... I, I think more, another thing I think really works well in this movie that I haven't touched on is, uh, is the score. I think I, yeah. Jerry Goldsmith doing some of the same stuff he did in part one, but also like changing it up and also incorporating this uh, leaning on Jesus that the, uh, that Reverend Kane is singing it in this form was, you know, singing it up top. But uh, yeah, cause they, they do the God is in his Holy temple that he sings as he's coming up, but they also incorporate that into like the, the big Epic score during the showdown at the very <laughs> end. <laughs> With the ch- God is in his Holy temple. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like the, the orchestral stuff a little bit more than than that final showdown stuff because it shows up there too. But yeah, I, I thought it was interesting, not necessarily uh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I like the score for the most part in this movie, though. I, I will get to the ending. I kind of want to talk about the things I like about this movie more than the things I don't. All right, all right. Let's, I mean, <laughs> maybe like you know some spoilers for where we're going, like when we get to sales country. Um, but uh, we, we do get some Tangina here. She shows up, and it's kind of – it's a little loose. I, I, I'm glad to see her. You, you said she th- you thought she was uh, underserved. You get that, that second yeah, flashback I, scene, and then – Zelda Rubenstein's a bad bitch. I could have used a lot more of her in this movie. <laughs> then she kind of pieces out and shows up again at the end and, like – is also just kind of outside of the action and <laughs> I, I actually i really uh I, I was chuckling quite a bit during the the end sequence where they're going down into the cave underneath the pool um and you know she's waiting for them there like she's like i knew you guys would be here and blah 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 and like basically there are two groups going down to that cave there is the uh the <laughs> the freeling family and then tangina <laughs> No one is helping her down the ladder. No one's helping her through the tight spots in the cave. Uh, she's she's like socially distanced from them, <laughs> a, a full six feet behind, not interacting with them whatsoever. Fuck them freelings. <laughs> Ooh, maybe that's like the the hidden twist that she was like bringing them down there to like sell them out. Just... I mean, that would have been something. <laughs> Um, yeah, she's, she's, she's given kind of short shrift here. Um, yeah, that's not nice. She's a small woman. Yes. Wait, no, I, no, she's a small medium. I, oh, the I'm, callback. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I, this movie does have, uh, Bring back one of my favorite things from from 80s movies, cartoon electricity, even more than cartoon storms. I I, I love me some blue lightning shooting out of the phone and zapping Craig T. Nelson across. It was <laughs> across the what's house. your favorite cartoon lightning. Oh man, that's a hard one. I mean, Ghostbusters is pretty fun. That's got to be up there, right? Like that's I, like if we're. Yeah, I mean Ghostbusters is great. I, I think for <laughs> me it's uh, it's Gremlins too. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a whole character. It gets a. <laughs> it's wonderful. Um. Yeah, and then we just get like an extended bit of like Taylor kind of preparing the family, but also sort of like he's protecting Carol Ann, but not anybody else because so, we get this attack from 
like the braces on Robbie. There's all, oh, there's been like the dreams with the monsters and stuff too. A few yeah, the, little jump scares here around. The the braces scene was kind of gnarly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you did you know was, where it was going when did like the close up? No, that was some real um. Oh, that was some real like uh fucking Superman. <laughs> was that two or three? <laughs> or the three, one yeah, turned into the robot. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So that, that speaking of Kinder Terror, just yeah, it's a superhero movie. Shut up, like <laughs> watch it. <laughs> like, what? Um, oh boy. Um, yeah, that's. I think one thing we probably should mention too is that the. Uh, I guess a lot more of it was supposed to be his, and it was kind of like translated through a middle person. But that uh, the beast, and I think at least, and maybe parts of the vomit creature, are H.R. Giger designs, like because. Children love H.R. Giger. That's <laughs> like, what my T-shirt says. H.R. <laughs> Giger, the uh, you know, of course, designer. H.R. Giger is for the children. <laughs> like Wu Tang. Yeah. They're both. <laughs> the the man who has uh, who made a table that contains uh, the spent bullet casing and parts of the uh, the brain matter and skull of his longtime lover who committed suicide that hr giger <laughs> oh no i think you really need to tap into um to something that people would actually be aware of and that is uh it's hr it, giger of corn frontman jonathan davis his microphone stand fame <laughs> <laughs> it is my greatest creation <laughs> oh man um yeah this this like training and, and spook stuff here does the, the does this i think there's some there's some fun stuff in here uh the, the, like the chainsaw and like in the garage is pretty fun yeah, I mean, they, when they turn it up to kind of 11 here in the in the back half of the movie i think they do a lot of stuff that's really um interesting <laughs> and and kind of and kind of cool um, yeah it's kind of like a kind of the same thing as in the first one when you, you get the part where skeletons are popping out of every nook and cranny of that house um <laughs> They kind of revisit that nicely here. And the, the the tequila worm that that's how the the preacher gets in and it possesses Craig T. Nelson. He's he's uh, this is where we get like in a PG thirteen movie that uh, is a little, little a child witnessing sexual assault by one parent on the other. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, no, yeah, it's uh it's a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> the eighties, ladies and gentlemen, the eighties. Oh man, yeah, it's uh like very explicitly talking about not getting enough lately and getting on top of her and, and forcing her legs apart. <laughs> yeah, no, it's oh! uh, it's it's not like subtextual. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this is a movie that's like again not like it's it's PG thirteen, but PG thirteen was kind of like a wink in the eighties. It was like yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Don't take your kids, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Um, yeah, and this and, is this is where Craig T. Nelson is really doing a, a great job of of channeling the creature here, really letting you know what's going on, uh, right up until he rolls off and threw up a dude. <laughs> Do you like that? I like that snap effect there, where they kind of it's a um, the it, it's an in shot transition, so to make it work, they kind of just do that like really jerky move before uh, and speed it up before the the vomit snot monster comes out. I, yeah, I, like 
this whole scene pretty much worked for me. Yeah, yeah. I guess he hated that because they, he had to like they had to do that many times. Well, I can't imagine it was enjoyable. <laughs> All right, put the put the mucus vomit monster back in. <laughs> Take two. Fuck you guys. You got you got we a got lot it. of film canisters rolled up over <laughs> over there, Brian Gibson. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah um yeah you 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 did already <laughs> call out what i have in my notes here this worm served our country <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not sure where even where i saw that i think maybe like i was i had it pulled up and like i paused the movie at some point in time and it has like the the actor's info down at the bottom it's <laughs> like oh man <laughs> oh, how they get that effect? Oh, that's how they get that effect. Um, <laughs> you just take a dude and blow his arms and legs off. <laughs> Simple. Um, so the the ending of this movie, um, they go back to Quest of Verde. They go back to the house. They go to the, the underpassage. I do think there is like some pretty also effective uh, Kinder Terror stuff where they're during the flashback they're showing that like the children are starving down there and like wailing as they're locked in a cave as a yeah, madman I mean, tells them the world's sh- ending it that's it, like the the cult aspect of it is really shitty like it's <laughs> oh yeah it's like if you if you think about it like they followed this man out to to the middle of nowhere they entombed themselves you know because he said so that you know the world was going to end and they're going to be safe down here or whatever uh and then you know that the days pass and his prophecy time doesn't uh, doesn't happen, and he's just like, uh, and maybe just like a couple more days, guys. <laughs> Trust me, it's really bad up there. I'm smart. <laughs> he does tell us a few times, um, but they, I don't know. Like again, I I think the first one does a lot very well, and and there is something to be said about like maybe leaving some of the details murkier, but this kind of works for me retrofitted a little bit that, that that this is the cause of why Carol Ann was important to them, that they, she was like guiding them to the light or was like a, a source of joy for them. And the beast wanted to use her to control the flock that was still with him in death. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's it's, it's a little busy, but it's a little sweaty, but it's, it's good. It's good. <laughs> no, I think the idea is fine. Yeah, it, t- it ties up the ends well enough, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. <laughs> but like, then they go into the afterlife to uh, retrieve Carol Ann and Diane, who get like sucked into the wall when they go under the pool, and it just gets real like pretty loosey goosey at this yeah, part. Yeah, this was they kind of they, they go off the rails a little bit here at the very end. Um, yeah. They, they go into, like, the spirit realm, and, like, Carol Ann and Diane have to get, like, saved by Stephen Robbie, and, like, the Taylor's passing a spear to them to, like... Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they do this stuff in the, in the first one, too, but, I mean, at least there they kind of established that this is where the... This is where you can get in, and this is where you come out. Yeah. And yeah. here, in this one, they just kind of, like, well, well, I guess the wife and daughter gone now so uh maybe jump in this fire I think oh yeah i'm one, here by the way 
<laughs> the first one also just works a little bit better because it's like it's mostly you're not really seeing too much into like the 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 afterlife part. You're mostly seeing like the light blasting into the room or like right. an effect of something coming out uh, or or popping out of the the hole on the way out. You're not seeing much of like right this they, kind of green screen floaty. <laughs> they let your they let your imagination do a lot of the heavy lifting. Yeah, yeah. This this did get nominated for a whole bunch of like you know special effects awards. I think like. I don't know if you're kind of grasping towards like what Marvel movies would become or something like it's right. an early no, I mean, stab I think at that. That, that looks fine. It's a, it's some excellent big meaty ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> it's like <giga> ghosts. <laughs> I think the like the practical stuff in the house is great. <laughs> oh yeah, like all the all the zombies and stuff. If you're if you're doing a PG-13 like Kinder Terror stuff, it's it's it walks that line pretty well, where it's not like too too goopy and gooky, but it's pretty, pretty, it, it stands on its own. It can, it can get some, some, some shocks out of the youngins. Yeah. Um, this whole like ending just has like last minute homework vibe though. It's like, it's very like, oh, now she's taking them to the light and then, oh wait, she's coming out of the light and there's grandma. Bye grandma. <laughs> yeah. I... Like I said, it, it seems like they kind of lost control of it a little bit here at the end. Yeah, and maybe this is around when they start cutting the movie. Like, well, we cut all the stuff that would have resolved here, so we don't have much to resolve here. So. <laughs> right, because, I mean, like, the the showdown between, I guess, ostensibly Craig T. Nelson and the Beast <laughs> Yeah. is really just kind of... it's rushed and kind of it just kind of stabs at him with yeah, the, the, the not even really a thing yeah I, I guess i'm supposed to believe that craig nelson's a warrior now <laughs> they they do the the callback joke at the end where uh you know steven gives taylor his car because he's been talking about it like uh oh your car wants to come with me and like wait a minute we're how are we gonna get home <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this this payoff was definitely worth it. Yeah, Jetson. <laughs> it's no um, what was the the, the 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 goddamn hotel sign that was like "Welcome Fantasy Doctor" or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then putting the TV outside that was that it is a much better. Story. Putting the TV outside was great. <laughs> this, this is not in the league of that. <laughs> um. All right, so I don't know what else you want to want to go into with this movie. Um, before I get on the sales floor, I do kind of want to make the call. I, I, I picked out a lot of stuff because we did the, the the what you pick any of the movies, and I was gonna toss one out if anybody did yeah. listen to the last one. How how we got here, um, and I remembered a lot of really fun, great things about this movie. I, I kind of remembered how effective the kinder terror stuff was i remember how good julian beck is the face of the house is um i didn't remember a lot of the like really offensive stuff or just kind of how soupy it gets in the middle and how the yeah the ending kind of seems like it's building up to something really great and then just sort of like whimpers out right at the end (laughs) just a wet fart at the end yeah so i was watching this uh with my wife um my wife (laughs) 
You, you like that? It's right. good. It's it Steve callbacks. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. I, I just had to. Um, and she had watched this before, you know, in, in that sort of uh, young age that you were talking about where maybe she shouldn't have watched it. Yeah. Um, and about halfway through, <laughs> she got up and left uh, because she wasn't having fun. Uh-huh. She said, uh, I don't remember this movie being this boring. <laughs> uh, but I think what she really wanted to do was leave before the the vomit creature up- arrived. Because <laughs> that was the part that she really remembered. Got it. Yeah. I, I feel like the, the one that stuck with me is uh, is the preacher coming up to the house. Yeah. Um, that was the one that because uh, that scene's filmed really well and it's like the, the the storm rolling in like at first you've got like the cartoony storm clouds but when you get to like the street level and they're just like they're piping in the rain over him yeah it's very eerie to watch this ghoulish man singing the song trailing a rainstorm behind him <laughs> come up to the house and, and and frighten the whole family and trying to worm his way inside before he literally does um so yeah that that had sort of all that stuff had kind of stuck with me and kind of like you were, what you were saying, like the, the boring bits that your wife was, was describing hadn't as much, or just maybe I also hadn't watched the, I might've seen this one before I saw the, the first one as a kid. Um, not really realizing how much they were really trying to make all the stuff from the first movie work again. Like, Oh, remember when we did, we got to have this callback. We got to have her say, they're back. We got to do this. Like, like I, I don't know if you got to, like, I don't know. I, I think you can kind of do, do these things in a different way. I think you could try to yeah, not I'm recreate okay the bedroom scenes. I'm okay. okay with them. Um, but that can't be your whole movie. Yeah. I mean, then you get, again, because all thing all roads lead here. And if you, if you didn't think on the anniversary episode, this road wouldn't leave here. Uh, then you get the Austin Powers effect where it's just 50% of your next of your sequels have to be like just telling the same joke from the first one, but worse. <laughs> Do I make you horny? <laughs> um, but I, I do kind of want to get up onto the sales floor, like knowing that, that this, uh, I still kind of, like it in some regard and it's I, I think part of it like ties into maybe a little bit of the stuff we've been talking about with like the fandom of, of of horror and being like a sports fan where it's like yeah everybody loves them when they're good <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i was i was there for poltergeist too <laughs> I, um, I mean, yeah no it's i think that uh that comparison works yeah, because I think there's something still really appealing about the performances and these characters, and it's kind of nice to, like, it's a little bit of comfort food. To, like, I, it's not the unequivocal classic that the first one is, but it's, like, it's a, it's a you know, a, a nice, comfy T-shirt you've had for 20 years and some sleeping pants that are a little loose, like... <laughs> the elastic's starting to go. <laughs> it's just Maybe kind there's of... there's some holes. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very comfy movie. It's not great, but you don't. Sometimes you don't want your movies to like be a hereditary and challenge you. You want just like uh, you know, 
I can turn this on on TBS, be halfway through it, and be like, well, there's probably not anything better on right now, right? Like, <laughs> no, there's definitely a spot for a place for those type of movies. Yeah, yeah. Or like, oh, I remember this having like that one kind of neat part. Like, I'll watch until that part. <laughs> um, and I think that's kind of my sell on this one. I think it's a uh, if you're if you're a journeying along in your horror fandom i feel like there's going to be some movies it might not be this one for you but just some movies that are kind of like a little like comfort foodie soft spot and i feel like this it does enough okay where it's not like it's not unwatchable it's just got like some boring bits and some you know racism but if you if you counted out that then you couldn't watch anything from the 80s so shove that racism off to the side no don't think about that racism (laughs) you can hardly see that racism So I, I, I turn the floor over to you. Um, like I said, you've been, I've been taking some more lumps lately, but uh, and if I take one on this yeah. one, fair enough. But I feel like you're you're really you're really pushing hard for the sale. I, like you're afraid that maybe I'm going to bring that average down a little bit. <laughs> I got these numbers to keep up, man. My boss is coming after me. <laughs> you ride me hard. <laughs> um. All right. Well, we're at the sales floor now, so let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about it. Um. Poltergeist two. I am buying this movie, um, okay, but awesome. I will say that it's like just above the bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As it should, that was the pitch. Yeah, that was the pitch. Is like this is your new bottom of the bar. This yeah. is like this is the minimum you can do to to clear it. <laughs> yeah. When's the last time somebody put a good coating on that bar? Like you get Poltergeist two down there, it'll <laughs> really <laughs> shine that sucker up. Make it look so what, nice. What what pushes you over the edge on this one? Where do you where do you where do you draw? What what brings you over to the other side? Oh, the racism. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a D minus movie without the racism. The racism brings it up too. <laughs> really, really, it's just the cherry on top. Um, no, I don't know. Um, I, I like you said, I like the performances. Um, our our main characters. They're they're likable. Um, they they're relatable for the most part. Um, yeah. I think some of the effects may not be super super special, but I think like the practical stuff really really hums. Um, the addition of um, an actual person in the to like personify the the enemy <laughs> or the nemesis, the beast. Yeah. Um, is really I I like that addition, and I think it's the performance and the the appearance really sell it. Um, and the rest of the stuff, I will say that outside of the very end where, you know, the power of love and family and psychic grandma angels <laughs> saving the day, um, none of it is, none of it is bad enough to turn me off. Similar. I, I again, this is maybe one that I feel like most of the movies we've done so far in the show, even like the you know the, the, your cruel jaws, is I I will return to sooner rather than later. I think I'm kind of I'm I'm good with letting this one get foggy enough in memory where I just kind of remember the good bits again. Just sort of yeah, <laughs> just softens there, everything out. I mean, there are some good bits. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I. I I uh, glad we're 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 doing it on the show because I think it's also like a part of of horror fandom too is kind of like having your 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 plucky underdog movies where you're just sort of like well, yeah it's not great but it's, it's 
it's fine. It's good. Like I liked it. <laughs> I'm not going to evangelize this to people. I'm not going to say you got to see Poltergeist too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think the first one is kind of that movie where it's like, no, if you haven't seen it, like it's really fucking good. This is sort of like, well, if you, if you liked the first one a lot, <laughs> <laughs> they gesture at it in the, in the sequel. <laughs> yeah. If you want to um, remember some stuff about the first one, sort of. <laughs> I, I do. I want to call out too that I, I think I. Um, I mean, this is a, a spoiler for where I'm going here eventually, but I do want to call out one performance that I, I think I only kind of made like a joke or two about, but I actually think is really good. It was it was Heather O'Rourke. I think that uh, her Carol Ann, she's very precocious, but that's also the character, and it's also like she's like somebody who just kind of glows on screen and is like yeah. every time she's on screen, your eyes are drawn to her. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, a lot of times you could have a I think a lot of times child actors kind of fall into this almost almost too twee, I guess, like they're they're like yeah. grading and how much they're like real kids don't act like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, she manages to be like very sweet without crossing that line, that like yes. cousin Oliver line or whatever. <laughs> right. Um. But I've got a I've got a Crispin Glover award for acting excellence here, and uh, Heather Work does not does not get this one. Um, and I, it was like two movies in a row now where I, I I loved me some Joe Beth Williams, but Joe Beth Williams also does not get the Crispin Glover award for acting excellence in this one. Um, this has to go to Julian Beck as Reverend Kane for putting a a face to the evil and just burning. <laughs> <laughs> that a, a few pretty scary moments into the into the brains of a generation. I yeah I I don't see how you can give it to anybody else. Yeah yeah he's he's phenomenal in that sense. Uh you know, uh tragedy that's like that that's sort of what it took for him to get a chance to do it is to get the part because he's horribly horribly ill and and dying. Yeah I uh, mean I, I guess you know fucking silver linings. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like with Poltergeist, there's, I might not believe the curse is real, but enough of tragic shit is associated with them, where there's right. kind of those moments where you're just like, yep, uh, whew. <laughs> some real shit we have to talk about. Yeah. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about that next time. Um, did you want to, um, I know, usually kind of talk about it, uh, maybe between this and the other stuff, but is there, is there stuff you wanted to shout out to, or stuff that you're enjoying? Yeah, you know what? Actually, for for once, I do have something that I want to give a, a shout out to. Uh, that is the animated series on Netflix called Arcane, uh, based off of the League of Legends video game. Which I I don't play the game. I know it's a big deal. Uh, this show, though, really blew me away. Uh, it's incredible. I can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, I've heard nothing but praise for it, especially I've heard the animation is tremendous. The the animation is fucking great. The performances are fucking great. The the writing is fucking great. Yeah. Um, it's it it rivals or surpasses like any live action television drama out there um, in my mind. Uh, I honestly I cannot recommend it highly enough. Nice. Um. Yeah, so um, I, before I get another recommendation, the the next time I also want to shout out one that I've been 
like angry at myself a little bit for how much I've been enjoying because I'm kind of like burnt out on superhero stuff in general. Yeah. But uh, and and this was maybe like my least favorite part of the of the Suicide Squad. I, I thought the performance was fine, but I didn't really like vibe with the character of Peacemaker. But the yeah. the Peacemaker television show, holy shit! It is it is it like just great and like I think John Cena is like a good actor like it's it's very it's, I, it's catching say. up with me like this guy is like no I think he's like like almost as good as like Batista as far as like actor from man that's a comparison like, well I think Batista's fucking great don't don't oh, get no. me wrong. Uh, yeah absolutely like it's <laughs> I understand what you're saying and in like I I get the comparison. It's just the saying it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But just John Cena, can... he may be almost as good as Batista. <laughs> um, yeah, for like two guys who like honestly, as during my time as a wrestling fan, like not a huge fan of. Uh, I think are in in every film role I've seen them in have been like tremendous. So I've heard strong I've heard strong things about the the Peacemaker show. I haven't got a chance to check it out yet, but. Uh... Have finished up Arcane and looking for something else to start, so uh, that that might be nice. uh, shooting to the top of the list there. Um, so for for our next episode, um, I'm going to be doing some, something that I've been wanting to do for quite a while and jump way in the way back machine. Um, we're going to do our oldest movie we've done on the show. Oh shit! By 29 years, we're going to do the original Universal classic Frankenstein. From 1931. Yeah, we're doing it. Doing it, baby. This is a this is a movie that kind of gets overshadowed a little bit by Bride of Frankenstein, which I agree is maybe the slightly better movie, but it's like not by much that it's better. And the original Frankenstein's a banger. I uh, I can't wait to talk about it with you. My uh, my wife loves the book. Yeah, and the uh, very different from the book. <laughs> um. But yeah, the book the book is also phenomenal, written by like a 19 year old girl, <laughs> so, like and and just a birth the genre and a yeah. like towering monuments achievement. <laughs> girl power. Yeah. I I mean just you know I'm just angry at young people. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> how dare you be young and talented, you motherfucker. <laughs> that's uh that's fair. That's a fair attitude to have. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about our, our business side here. Um, please reach out to us over at uh, Scream Selling on Twitter, the Selling the Scream Facebook group, um, Selling the Scream at gmail.com. Um, you, if you could leave a review on the podcatcher of your choice, iTunes does drive the most traffic, Spotify is letting you review now as long as you um, listen all the way through and don't say anything mean about Joe Rogan. Um, Ever. And... <laughs> um if you do have uh negative reviews um it looks like here this this ios it seems to now just be trying to like offer more effective strategies because it it told people to like just really firebomb our youtube channel which you know that we had we had to get pulled from youtube thanks um now they say to go after our sponsors so um please don't do that please don't go after all of, all of the... You'd be taking food out of my family's mouths. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, until next time, join us for a Stone Cold Classic with Frankenstein 
Till then, bye. Bye. Oh, thank you.